Are you looking for truth from God's word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Because the question is, okay, what am I told to pray for? Well, yes, we are told to pray everybody for those who are in authority, yada, yada. Now, what are we supposed to do? I want to talk about the praying for those who are sick. So if you will, open your Bibles to James chapter 5, and I'm going to take you to a passage of Scripture that is so often misused or taken out of context. And, I, and I'm doing this not to slam anybody who does. I'm, I'm not doing that at all. I'm doing it because if anybody would read this in the English, it would be easy to come to the same similar conclusions that they have. And I have for years thought, that, hey, this is what this basically means. But the more I dug into this based upon wanting to know the real truth and making sure I'm comparing Scripture with Scripture, I personally have come to a different understanding of this passage. And again, let me get the whole thing out, and that way I hope that you'll be better equipped to be able to know how to pray for those who are ill. So first of all, we have to understand what is the context. Well, let me read the passage, and then I'll tell you about the context. All right, verse 13. It's not a long passage. We're just going to look at maybe four verses here. It says, verse 5.13, James 5.13. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. And the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. We talked about that last phrase a moment ago. Now back up to this. In order to understand this passage in good Bible interpretation, and those of you who are guests here today, the uniqueness about international church is the fact that we want to know God's word. Now we want to know it, but we also want to know it to apply it. So while we will talk about life application, we are concerned that we apply scripture because it has been properly interpreted first, not just to give you three points in a poem because we can get a verse out of context here and grab this and tell a lot of stories and have a lot of PowerPoints. No, we want to make sure we know Scripture. So most of the time, we are life application, but we have to go a little bit deeper. And so that's why we do it this way, or at least that's the way I do it. So let's follow it. In context, I believe part of the context of, of what James is writing about is a context of people that were going through tremendous amount of suffering, suffering mostly because of their faith in the Lord and because they're Christians and wanting to live for Christ. They're scattered all abroad, and now they're being, under, they're, they're being persecuted. They're being tested through all of this. So the whole idea is how do we handle this? So if you read James, you're going to read a lot of that in there. And then what we need to do in order to, uh, quote, be physically saved as well as at the same time bring honor to the Lord. Now, suffering is the issue. If you need to know more about that, go to verse 10. As an example, brethren of suffering and patience, so you see it there, verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? You see it there. So again, just in this little passage, suffering is, but go through the whole book. So suffering is the idea. So now it says, is there any among you suffering? Then he must pray. Would you mark that? Because in this, it says, he must pray. Then in verse 14, it says, call for the elders and they're to pray. And then in verse 16, it says, pray for one another. So you've got three different entities about prayer here. So the first part of it is, you, when you've got this issue right here, you pray. And then secondly, you ask others to pray for you. And then thirdly, everybody prays for everybody. All right, so that's the context of prayer part. Now let's go back into this. It says, is any among you suffering? 
Now, the best I can tell is I cannot argue and say, this must mean they're suffering because they've got cancer. They're suffering because they've got diabetes. They're suffering because of physical ailment. It's more suffering because they have been tested and persecuted and been really thrown through the, 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 the um, outreach meat grinder, we'll call it, and they're suffering. Could it be physical? I think there could be. I, I, now, I'm stretching here, but I think that often the suffering that made it so suffering is that they were being physically abused besides the emotional and all the rest. So there was a physicalness about it, but not so much a disease part about it. So let's go back. Is there anyone you suffering? Then it says, then he must pray. So if you're the one suffering, then, of course, prayer. I think you're already doing that. We'll talk more about it. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Now, I still believe that cheerfulness is still in the context of being suffering or still experiencing suffering. So sometimes when you are suffering, there are some people that go through suffering that they have an ability to sing. Now, I'm going to bring a person's name to you that I bring frequently to you. Most of you will know who he is. Few of you won't. So give me a moment to describe him. First of all, his name is Randy Hongo. Randy and his wife, Gay Hongo, have uh, grew up in Hilo, tremendous singers, songwriters, local people. They are so well-connected in the community, so sold out for the Lord, that even the secular area, when it says, when your ways please the Lord, even your enemies will be at peace with you, I don't know anybody who doesn't like Randy and Gay. Nearly every Christmas, or at least for the last three, three or four Christmases, we've had them here on Christmas to do a major music for us called Night of the Lights. How many... We're here last night at the lights. Would you raise your hand? That was his last concert before with cancer. He got on a plane 36 hours later to go to City of Hope in Southern California. Okay? He's a dear friend of mine. He's won numerous Nahaku Hanahana Awards. So he's, 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 got, he's got the goods. All right. He's got a blood disease that is complicated by severe diabetes. If you want to get on his uh, blog site through Caring Bridge, let me know. I've read nearly every one of them. Every one of them comes with tears and laughter and prayers, but I urge you to do that. I've been writing him every month, and I've been sending him information about you all to him so we can connect. I visited him at City of Hope. I hope we'll be able to do that in October. Actually, I hope I won't. I hope he'll be back here on the island. I've invited him to do next year's, this year's Night of the Lights. I don't know what shape he'll be in. I don't even know if he'll be here. But why am I building this case? If you want to see an example of this right here, his is more illness due to disease rather than persecution. But what he has shown is this. When there seems to be this overwhelming amount of, oh, no, oh, no, Somehow, God brings someone alongside him to pray with him, to lift him to a level of comfort. However, that's few because he's down only a few times. What is in most all of his blogs is even when he gets a setback and he's having severe setbacks as he's going through, he's now in a little bubble. They're watching him because he's got, he went through a bone marrow thing going on, stem cell thing, I should say. That being the case... He is writing one song after another song after another song. And whenever they can wheel him anywhere, what they allow he and Gay to sing, they will sing a song. And because there's a cheerfulness in the midst of the suffering, I would like him to sing every song he wrote when he had a mask on. Every song he might have wrote in his heart when he was hooked up to the machines this year. 
And I want him to come if the Lord would will so that you could see what God can do through a suffering saint so that no matter who or what you're going through, you can be encouraged as well. This is a little bit, but let me go further and I'm using him as a testimony because it is public. So this is a clear and clean and be able to do that. Let's go back to the passage. Verse 14 says, is anyone among you sick? Now this is where it gets a little dicey because whenever we see sick, we think of illness immediately. You're going to see the word sick found in verse 15. Again, it says, who is sick? You see it there again. And then in another passage, you'll see the idea of health. But let's go back to these two. Unfortunately, when you go to the Greek word, there are two Greek words for the word sick. The first one is not the word sick like illness. It's a word that means weak. It means the word feeble. And I'd like you to put that somewhere in your margin there. It's found so many times in the New Testament By far, the majority of them very little relate to an illness, but by far, they refer to a spirit of feebleness and weakness that comes on us when we're just so oppressed through our suffering and persecution and issues of life. Now, let me ask you a question. I'd like you to answer this publicly. Have you ever been to a point in your life as a believer in Christ that it just seems like one wave after another wave after another wave of, oh, no, oh, 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 has hit you? Would you raise your hand? How did that make you feel? I don't mean you'd abandon the faith, but you were down. That's what this first one is. And here's what it says. Is any among you sick that way, feeble, emotionally down, context of suffering? Not the one who can sing because they're cheerful with their suffering. Then it says, then he must call for the elders of the church. Now let me pause for a moment. This is not where the elders carry their oil with them and they run out to you because you're sick and dab you with oil. This is where you call for the elders when you are so down and you feel so defeated and you don't want to be there. You know it's not right. You need to be uplifted. And you know the elders are going to come alongside you and in some measure to encourage you, to pray with you, to say the right things, to maybe do an evaluation to find out is there something that maybe you need to work on internally, not sickness-wise, and then perhaps anoint you with oil, which we'll talk about in a moment. So the idea is to bring these spiritual people around you who are struggling a little bit with some spiritual weakness and feebleness. Then it says, they must call for the elders of the church. Now, let me pause for a moment. That's not where you call the elders for someone else who's down. Hey, would you go by and see so-and-so and anoint him with oil? No, it's where that person calls. Now, watch. That person might ask you to call the elders to do that. That's okay. They still called. You just happen to be their little telephone or, or computer. But they still called. So that's all right. As long as they're the ones that are saying, I need help. I want to pray, I want to be prayed for biblically the right way, so I'm calling for the elders. And in this church, we now have three elders, pastors, shepherds, Pastor Charlie, Pastor Dennis, and me. That would fit this context. Now let's go a little bit further. I'm not trying to give us more work, I'm just trying to tell you this is who your go-to guys are. And it says, and they are to pray over him. Then it says, and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now that's an interesting phrase when it says anoint them with oil. Because in this particular context, it is not a ceremonial, I got my beaker and I'm doing the anointing of oil. Actually, this particular word, when it is used of anointing, has the idea of taking oil and rubbing them with oil. Now, some think it is symbolic, metaphorical. Some think that it is more like a medicine. I think my answer would be, and I don't think you would agree with me, that whatever medicine they had in their day was probably as up-to-date as 2,000 years ago but it's 2,000 years old compared to where we are today. Do you agree with that? So they did the best they had with what they had. However, they were rubbing them with oil. 
you will see other, I don't have time to unpack this whole passage, but there's other passages in Scripture where they would now begin. We would almost talk about a massaging when you're down and you rub, you know, when your kids are really hurting, you rub their head, you do something. It could be medicine. Maybe you go that far. I don't know. In context, that's what was happening. Now let me take you back to Randy Hongo again. If you've been following his blog, you're going to find that in all the pain and the suffering that he is going through and the cheerfulness that he says, he's finally able to eat a half of a pancake, a little bit of some Filipino food that he likes, just a tad bit of it. But you know what he says? His greatest thing that brings him the most comfort? Here it is. It's when his son Andrew, can you imagine a, a, a somewhat grown son bathing you as a naked father or the wife And he says, the one thing I look forward to is when my wife or my son will rub my head and wash me and give me a bath. I could only think that that's probably the closest to what this is teaching right here, that there's an element of touch. Now we can get into the whole psychology thing that when people, there's that when you touch people, maybe there's the holy kiss thing going on. There's that connectivity of warmth and reality. And so Randy says that's happened to him. So now, I think more in context... It is dealing with those who are emotionally down, spiritually down, needing some help. Now, can it be that that person is dull this way because they have an illness? Yes, I do. But I really believe it's dealing with an emotional part that might be connected to the, to the outside. Watch this, watch this. But I think it's a, it's, a, it's a secondary blessing to be physically healed in order for me to feel spiritually better. That, that's huge what I just said. It's really dangerous to say, I'll be spiritually better if something physically happens to me. Now think about that. Because then we become more dependent upon the physical world than we do upon the spiritual intimacy that we have with the Lord. I was dean of men at Florida Bible College for a number of years. And a lot of the guys would have two guys in a room, three guys in a room, sometimes four guys in a dorm room. And I had one guy come in one time and he said this. He said, uh, Stan or Reverend Pons, he said, um, I can't stand it in my room. My guys are playing all this kind of rock music and I want to be spiritual and their music is making me unspiritual, so would you do something about it? And I had to tell him as a Christian leader that you're going to be around a lot of unspiritual people and some people that are supposed to be more spiritual that aren't. And so you're going to have to learn how to rise above that. So we began a process of how to help them become spiritual in an unspiritual realm. Now, on the other hand, there was another conversation I had with his roommates. But I want him to learn first and foremost, you don't merely remove all this other stuff and that's going to make you spiritually better. That's like doing sin management. Well, let me get back to this. I'm off the track. I said I want to do that. Okay, verse uh, says, and you know him with oil in the name of the Lord. So you're doing it for the Lord. You're doing it in God's will. You're doing it for his glory. And then it says, and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. Now, that's a different Greek word. It's only used a couple of times. And each time that that Greek word is used, it's not in the area of illness again. It's when we're weary from constant work. We're weary from just kind of overdoing things. And it says, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, and I think that's kind of neat that they put that there because sometimes when you are down and, and tired and emotionally down, and you're kind of spiritually down, you've got your eyes off the Lord, you begin to think things that are not pleasing to the Lord, so you then become an, an active participant in sin. It didn't mean you think sinful thoughts. You're committing sin. And then when all this happens, you're confessing to one another, you're sharing with one another, and they'll be forgiven him, which verse 16 says. The raising up, by the way, is a neat phrase too because it actually, it really does mean to deliver. It doesn't mean that they get healed. It just means they're delivered, that, that this thing is an improvement in their life. It's the same word in the Greek that's for the word saved. 
and not spiritual salvation. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that, again, you may be healed. And that word healed there in every New Testament reference in the original language never referred to physical healing. It always dealt with a spiritual. It even went to as far as when you're healed, you're forgiven. It's that healing in a relationship with God concept, which I think stays in context with that anyway. Holy mackerel. I only got those, those points. All right. Let me finish this question here, and then I, I'm going to quit on this, and I'll tell you how we're going to handle this. Remember how I began the ser- the, this question about what about praying for those that are ill? Some of you are now going to say, I can't believe God doesn't want me to pray for sick people. I'm going to still pray for them. Others of you, you're going to overreact and say, well, therefore, I don't need to pray for sick people. And I want you to know the passage in James is not saying do not pray for people who are sick. There are other passages that will lead us to believe that it is very good to pray for people. Let me give you a couple of them now. Philippians chapter 4 says, And everything give thanks. And then it also says, And with prayer and supplication make your requests, and it doesn't define them, made known unto the Lord. So if your request is for healing, I think it's covered in that. I don't think that's the top priority for the person. I think it's a spiritual thing. But at the same time, it doesn't mean you cannot pray for people who are ill. If you will, you could look at 3 John chapter... 3 John 2, it's 3 John in one chapter, so 3 John verse 2, it says this, there are many examples of others praying for the success and health of others. And it says this, beloved, John, I pray that in all respects, you, in context, is referring to Gaius, and by the way, Gaius was a Christian walking with God, that in all respects, you, Gaius, may prosper and be in good health. And this is the caveat, just as your soul prospers. So it's interesting that he's typing physical health with spiritual health and how they both go together, but he's wanting the health of the outside to be as good as the health of the inside. Did you hear me? Now, if you take that through the rest of Scripture, what I've already taught you from Paul and all the others, they were so concerned with the inside. So while we want the outside to be right, let's make sure that the inside is okay and then begin to pray for the outside. So in this case, Gaius had his inside okay. Now Paul or John is saying, let's pray that you have good success and prosper in your health part over here. And so that word prosper is connected to success, so that could be in anything. But I think in context, it's talking about that you'd be with good health, successful with good health, as your soul is successful and prospering because of a walk with the Lord. Are you with me so far? And all of you are saying, how far are you going to go today? Well, I've given you a couple more. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's another whole sermon there. I want you to write in your margin. That verse does say pray for the peace of Jerusalem. If you want to have a good exegesis of that verse, I encourage you to go to jewsforjesus.org and then put in their search Pray for the peace of Jerusalem or that verse. They have done a wonderful job in the original languages that makes it so simple anybody could understand. So when you hear about praying for Jerusalem, does that mean you're praying for the bricks and the mortar? What are you really praying for? That would be a good part in there. And then also pray for those who despitefully use you, pray for your enemies, etc. And we will end today on my uh, teaching at verse 7. So let's come back up here for a second. Since next week is already in place... And I haven't gotten permission to move it to another week. I'm going to, from the people that are going to participate, because I don't know if they're going to be here the following week, I am going to go ahead and answer a later question next week, like I already said that I would. We are going to go through Matthew chapter 6. And when I finish with that, then the week after that, I guess, I'll go through this passage. If you think that's okay, would you say amen?
All right, so the six of you, if you'll join me <laughs> in all of this. If you want to uh, come back with more information on what I've just given to you, you certainly can. Now, here's the thing, though. I want to answer the last simple question, and that is you have all this information. So what? What do you do with it? Well, here's what you do with it. First thing you need to do is to make sure that you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Because all of this is praying for others, and you want your Heavenly Father to be your Heavenly Father that will give you what you ask, and so you have to have Him as your Father, and that happens when you're born again by faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that you'll place your faith alone in Him. The second, I pray now as a believer in Christ that you are walking by means of the Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal anything that's not right in your life, and you'll confess that to the Lord and forsake it by His power, the exchange life. Will you do that? And ask the Lord. And then finally, when you begin to pray for others, would you first of all pray that they know the Lord, and then secondly, that they walk in truth. And then when you are around people that are weak and hurting, you go ahead and pray for them. And if you're at a point where you're such a low point and you'd like to have the, the pastors come and pray with you, we will certainly do that. Yeah, we might rub a little oil on you. There's no magic in the oil, but it is an opportunity for us to reach out and love you to another point of spiritual strength in contrast to maybe with the feebleness and the weakness that you might have right now because we really love you. We really love you, and we know life is tough. Would you join with me in prayer with every head bowed and every eye closed? Would you allow a moment for the Spirit of God to bring something to your mind of where you need to be with Him today? Maybe for some of you, this was a big bite of the apple when we talked about healing, and you're still not where I'm at. I didn't get to where I'm at right now in five minutes. It took me study and going over the verses and reading and looking at this stuff from the original languages and doing it in the, his, uh, the historical setting. And so, please take the time and do that. Some of you that are at a point in your life where you're saying, I have not trusted Christ. I, I know it's important to pray, but I haven't really come to Him by faith alone. Would you do that right now? Would you say, Lord, I believe you died for me and I'm trusting you. I know who you are. I know what you've done. I believe it to be truth. And now, Lord, I am placing my faith. I am trusting you now. I'm committing my faith to you, so to speak. Now, whether that's a prayer or a mental transaction, but you're doing that. And now as a believer in Christ, is there anything in your life that you know that is not right? Unconfessed sin. Someone that you have to go to and make something right. So something you're doing in private at night in front of your computer. It won't go away until you deal with it. So deal with it. And then as you see people in your life, who is the Lord bringing before you right now that might need special prayer? Are they saved? Are they walking with the Lord? Do they need to be comforted and encouraged? The Holy Spirit, take what you've learned and show you what you need to pray for that person. He will. He will. But be open to that because you're clean now. Lift him up. How many of you would like to have prayer because today the Lord is using today's message and maybe some of the others to strengthen and make your prayer life wiser and you'd like to have prayer? Would you raise your hand? Amen. How, how many of you are saying, I, I need prayer because I want to go back and study this? And I like what I said, but I, I need to have this for my own. I've got to research it myself. Pa pray for me, Pastor, because I want to dig a little deeper into this. How many of you would like to have prayer? Would you slip up your hand? Amen. Amen. 
If you're trusting Christ as your Savior today and you'd like for me to know that, would you put it on the card or let me know afterwards, shake my hand? When others need prayer, will we be praying correctly for them? Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for today and I thank you for your word. I thank you for those great scholars that have walked way before me and much deeper to help me learn these things. And Lord, there's so much I still need to learn. We all need to learn. But Father, there are those that have some real needs right now. And as you lay them upon our heart, let's take what we've learned and immediately apply it in prayer for these people. Help us to be strong and loving and not critical and kind. Let's be patient with one another who are growing in their knowledge and grace in you. Father, I pray for those that are going to be meeting this afternoon at the small group. Lord, what a blessed group of people. What a lovely group of people that love you and love your word and help them to grow. And for those that are going to meet afterwards at the ministry fair to just see what we're doing and what you're doing in our church. It's not about a bragamony of a ministry or one ministry pitted against another ministry. We're all here for one person, and that's you, Lord. And so help us to find out where we can serve with our gifting one another. Now, Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.